The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hello and welcome to The Secrets of a League of Their Own, where we're talking about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the great historical baseball movie, A League of Their Own. I'm Father Corey Stika. With me today are Shelly Kelly and Noelle Crow. Howdy, Shelly. Howdy. And howdy, Noelle. How are you doing, Father? <laughs> doing well. Before we begin, I'd like to invite you to join in the discussion of this movie and our other shows on our Discord at sqpn.com slash Discord. So A League of Their Own is uh, a kind of a classic baseball movie. It's become kind of a classic baseball movie. It's kind of interesting because recently I, I was on a panel. Uh, Shelly and I were on a panel about Field of Dreams, which was a serious movie with very humorous elements. Well, this is a funny movie with very serious elements. So it's kind of nice to have, you know, see kind of the opposite of that. But this movie that came out in 1992 that was directed by Penny Marshall, who, of course, became a director and has had great success as a director, but she's still known by at least a certain generation as Laverne of Laverne and Shirley. Uh, so a lot of people who are a little bit older remember her that in that role. And this movie is a, a dramatized story of an actual historical organization the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Now, Noel, as our resident historian with the American Catholic History podcast, won't you, can you tell us about the AAGPBL? <laughs> you have such a long acronym, isn't it? <laughs> um, and, you know, I wanted to say, um, when you're talking about this movie of having historical significance, it actually was designated as a movie of historical significance by the Library of Congress. So, Oh, wow, great. Yeah, so they, they actually, uh, you know, hold it up there. And, and it really was significant because for a long time, the All-American Professional Girls Baseball League was forgotten, largely forgotten, um, even though there were six, over 600 women who played in it in its 10-year history. If you watch the movie, you might get the impression that this was sort of a, a one-and-done kind of thing. Um, or, you know, or very short lived, but it actually existed for 10 years. And um, like the movie portrays, it was established in 1943 during World War II um, due to the fact that so many men had gone to the war and they weren't sure if they were going to be able to have men's professional baseball during the war. Um, <clears throat> the movie shows um Wrigley and this is um the son of the the famous Wrigley founder um PK Wrigley but they show him as as sort of the originator of this idea but it was a group of founders who actually came together to start the league including Branch Rickey who baseball fans might be familiar with as the um the one who signed Jackie Robinson who broke the color mm. barrier was involved in this as well. And, um, you know, in the early days, the league, the league, the entire league was owned by this group of founders. And in the last few years, it was sort of more what we think of or understand today where the each team had individual owners. And, and in some ways that um, decentralization of the league led to its demise because Wrigley was a master of advertisement. And I think mm -hmm. you get that. We'll probably talk about that a little bit. I think um, in the movie, he was a master of advertising. And so the league did really well due to his advertising. But when you had various owners, you had various skill level and experience at advertising and, and it sort of <laughs> petered out at that point, you could say. Um, interestingly, there was actually even another professional baseball league for girls or women um, that didn't do as well because again, they didn't have that skill at advertising their product. Um, as the movie portrays, there were four original teams and the uh, Rockford Peaches and the Racine Bells were two of those original teams. The other two were the South Bend Blue Sox and the Kenosha Comets. Um, 
So those four, the uh, uniforms that they show in the movie were actually uh, the type of uniforms that the women wore when they played, they played baseball. Um, and in part, uh, Wrigley's wife um, helps in part to design those uniforms. Um, some of the women who played for, uh, played for the league said, um, basically they wanted us to play like men and, you know, conduct ourselves or look like women. (laughs) (laughs) And so there were rules that they had to, they had to learn etiquette, which we see in the movie. They had to, um, wear lipstick. Um, they couldn't smoke and drink and, you know, all of those kinds of things they, they wanted to have, um, you know, they wanted them to be portrayed, you know, seen out in public as, as ladies. Um, and, um, and it's interesting talking about like the etiquette classes that, that you see in the movie, because a lot of the women who came to play were from farms, like, like the sisters were right. They came from farms or small towns where they were learning. And so they didn't necessarily have all of those, all that polish. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, that was provided for them. Um, and uh, a couple other points. One one interesting po- thing that I, I thought of about when I was looking at it, the um, the uniforms that they showed. Those, you know, like I said, those were uh, similar to the uniforms that they would have worn, and con- uh, including that patch that they have on the front of the uniform. Um, each of the city seals was used in that patch. Um, so you see that in the you know the race or the um, well both the racing and the. Rockford uniforms in the movie. Um, but Rockford Peaches, they got their name because of the color of their uniform. In mm-hmm. that time, the uh, dye was really expensive because of needs for, for World War II. And so when they dyed the uniforms, they were all sort of a, a pastel color because you're using a less dye, you know, to, to just sort of tint tint the uniforms. So the, the uh, uh, Rockford uniforms ended up by being peach. and. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how they got their name, which I thought was kind of kind of interesting. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, I can get into it a little bit more later if you want, or I can talk now. But there's also some interesting history as to how this movie got made, as well. Um, and uh, it involves a, a couple of Irish Catholic girls, sisters, uh, <laughs> from uh, from Vancouver, actually, and. Um, they played, they were the first sisters to play in the league, but they didn't actually play in the first year. So this is one of those divergences from, <laughs> from reality. Uh, they played, they, they um, came on later, but um, they were the first uh, sisters who played. And one of the sisters' uh, sons made a, a documentary called A League of Their Own and, and actually brought that uh, idea to Penny Marshall. And so that's sort of how it all came. So it was the Irish Catholic Callaghan sisters who uh, <laughs> were in, in a sense, the responsible for the movie, though the characters of Dottie and Kit were not actually based on the sisters. They had sort of other um, people that they were somewhat based on. So, uh, yeah, so I, you know, be doing the American Catholic history thing. I had to look for what's the Catholic angle to. Yeah. Well, there, there's, there's clearly a Catholic angle in this, and we'll talk about it later. Yeah. There's quite a few scenes in the church that are quite yes. hilarious, <laughs> quite humorous. Right, um, right. And um, one other thing to note, um, just the uh, one other character, we'll talk I, more, much more about him. But the Tom Hanks character of um, Jimmy Dugan is based on, um, in large part, based on the character uh, or the personage of Jimmy Fox. Right. Who was well, let's, a, let's talk about him a little bit. We'll talk about him when we get to the character. So yeah, we can talk. We can talk about that. But what I wanted to mention about that is that um, we can talk more about who Jimmy Fox is and everything. But the it, but in matter of fact, the um, Rockford Peaches had a one manager through their entire, basically through their entire mm-hmm. history, and he wasn't Jimmy Dugan or Jimmy Fox. His name was William. <laughs> Uh, or Bill Allington instead. So um, completely different person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I wanted, I wanted to hold off on talking about more of the specifics um, with the history, yeah. because um, kind of going back to the actual league itself, that, as you said, it lasted for about 10 years. Actually, I think 11 mm-hmm. seasons is what I saw. Um, 
yeah, uh, uh, four, 43 to 54, 54 was the last season. Yeah. So 11, 11 seasons mm-hmm. and 1948 was its peak that it actually, mm-hmm. it had 10 teams at that point. Um, yep. And it had for attendance, it had almost a million people attend its games, 900, 900,000, like nine, nine, 910,000, which right. again, you know, especially since it was, it was brought in as a stopgap really for the fact that men's baseball was thought to be not be renewed because of, of, uh, or not able to play in 1943 because of the war. It did mm-hmm. end up not that did end up not being the case, but, um, but it's still that the, as you said, Wrigley was a master of, of, marketing i mean there's a reason why it's still wrigley field today and wrigley chewing gum is still a thing and you look into the wrigley corporation and it owns a lot of stuff and has historically owned a lot of things so he was a master of marketing and this league that he came up with survived as long as it was being marketed mm-hmm. and as he said it was you see that in the the movies we'll talk about a little bit but it, right. it is interesting that it lasted as long as it did and was as successful as it was and then forgotten like that's kind of amazing that something that lasted that long was then just kind of completely forgotten that had something to do with the 1950s and some of those things which we could we could talk a little bit about that later um the other thing to note is that the the league originally was sort of a hybrid between softball and baseball they didn't so the movie portrays them just playing baseball but it didn't it moved closer to baseball and more, more like baseball as it went along but originally there was it was underhand pitch um that didn't come in to play until i think like 1946 um the overhand pitch you know so so it was uh it was sort of this hybrid thing um originally yeah originally would have looked more like if you watch uh girls uh women's uh, fast college pitch softball fast mm-hmm. softball would looked more yeah. like that exactly right just just the, the girl the, the women who are playing today have better uniforms <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably a lot more comfortable. And I just want to throw out that there is professional women's softball. Mm-hmm. There are, I think, four teams still, but it's hmm. it, it waxes and wanes just the same. So that's interesting. I, I didn't even just a little piece of, of trivia. It, but... When this movie came out in 1992, I have to tell you, I, I was in Houston at the time, and it was a really big deal down here because. We had a professional baseball player on the Houston Astros named uh, Casey Candeli, and it was his mother who played mm-hmm. in that league. She's the yeah. one that was one of the sisters who wrote, uh, did the documentary. Right. Hel- Helen. Yeah, it was. So it was his older brother um, who did the documentary. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, cool. But I just remember <laughs> exactly. when it all kind of came out, how everybody <laughs> was talking about how his mom had played professional baseball. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Very, yeah, very cool. exactly. Oh, cool. That, that's really cool that he was playing down there when you were. Uh, yeah. When the movie when came, came out. out. Yeah, that's really neat. So as, as you mentioned, the, the characters in the movie are fictionalized, but based on actual women who played in the league. Uh, and so probably just focus on what I think the, the, who I think are the five main characters of the of this this movie. I mean, obviously, there's a large cast of characters. You've got. You know, as they say, there are 64 women who are playing. You've got the uh, managers. You've got the the people who are behind the scenes. Um, but I think the kind of the main characters are, of course, Dottie and Kit, Dottie Hinson and her sister, Kit Keller. Dottie played by Gina Davis, Kit played by Lori Petty. Uh, you got these two sisters who are from the Willamette Valley of Oregon, uh, which, by the way, doesn't look like that uh, i've lived there it's beautiful <laughs> but it doesn't look like iowa cornfield um and also um settled and established by the father of oregon you know a good catholic <laughs> or catholic convert actually who's that um you know now i'm like blanking his name is oh john mclaughlin oh there you go yes john mclaughlin who has a statue in the uh, capitol building that's the right. Father of That's right. Mm-hmm. And the uh, <laughs> first, the first uh, diocese, archdiocese uh, in the United States west of the Miss- Mississippi mm-hmm. was Oregon City, later yep. now Portland, Oregon. So, yep. <laughs> yeah. So there's 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 a lot of Catholic history in that area. But of course, you get these two sisters. They're playing on a farm league, you know, farm soft softball, and and uh, of course the the scout played by John Lovitz. I, of course, John Lovitz. What I, I love is 
always love his characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he <laughs> finds them. And uh, of course, Dottie is the one he's interested in because she's such a good catcher and hitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's the one that I want, the one that caught the ball or hit the ball. That's not you. That's yeah. her. <laughs> right. <laughs> until, until he realizes that Kit is a is a pitcher and it's like, OK, well, maybe I'll bring you with. Give you the chance. <laughs> yep. If uh, you can get her on the train, it doesn't yep. cost me anything. You you get her on the train. I'll let you try out. Right. Just costs a, a train ticket. That's it. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. exactly. <laughs> Right. And then what you said about it being a hybrid, if you watch the very beginning closely, you'll see that they are doing softball fast pitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is a fast pitch softball. And then she says, uh, well, you, you she, she didn't see her pitch. She's a really good pitcher. She pitched yesterday. And my daughter and I were watching this together. My daughter is a, a softball player. And she says, wait a minute, if they're doing underhand, if they're doing fast pitch softball. How does that translate to overhand th- pitching? Right. You know, is that a mistake or did they have both and they just picked one for the movie? So thank you, Noel, for answering that question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but this, and that was uh, I think they kind of briefly talked about that in the movie, if I remember correctly, something about how or maybe it was something I read today as I was kind of reading up on this, um, how that was a concern of going from the underhanded fast pitch to the overhanded baseball style. And mm-hmm. but then they by going to the overhand baseball, they could also do the smaller ball, like <laughs> right. a traditional and, baseball instead of a softball. Right. And they did that gradually over a number of years. So they gradually made the ball smaller and also moved the mound back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that it was sort of a gradual transition. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um and then another character is a uh, uh, Jimmy Dugan, of course, Tom Hanks, you know, in, in his one of his his humorous roles, but showing, you know, some of the serious side as well. Now you're talking about um, who are the, the baseball player that he was based off of. Yeah, so he was based off of Jimmy Fox, um, who played for a number of teams, including my Boston Red Sox. Um, and uh, it was a Hall of Fame player. Jimmy Fox and a few other professional ball players did manage some of these um women's league uh teams and um so uh but a big difference is that um the uh, women who played in the league all testified that Jimmy Fox was always a gentleman around them so some of the uh coarser side <laughs> of Jimmy Dugan really wasn't part of uh, uh Jimmy Fox's uh persona with the women but um it definitely makes for a really good story <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> to have that. Yeah, he kind of he kind of played a, a bitter character, you know, where he was he was a drunk, washed up player, you know, it wrecked his knees as an as a catcher, which which happened quite a bit, you know. If you mm-hmm. study the history of baseball, catchers are notorious for having bad knees by the end of it because they spend the whole game squatting, you know, and and diving for balls and things like that. So it's it's understandable that their uh, their their knees their legs are shot by the time they're done playing. Um, but he plays this, this drunk who kind of gets rehabilitated by the whole process. Yeah. That's one of the themes I really like about this movie is not only is it historical and, and yes, it's historically, it's fictionalized and the characters aren't exact people. Um, Mm -hmm. as we've talked about, they're based on people, um, but I love the way it shows their the way they come together in community and the way that they persevere and the way that it becomes even a door to a new way of living and a new life for so many people. And even Jimmy Dugan can be redeemed in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about other pieces. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I I love um, and I, I just love watching the scenes between him and Gina Davis as they're as he's just coming to appreciate more and more mm-hmm. her baseball mind. And it, it I mean, she comes back for the last game and she only played that one season. And I always feel so sad about that because she mm-hmm. does have this amazing baseball mind. And it's like, what a, what a waste to, you know, take that back to a farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, 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 cause he, again, he shows up and he's sorry to use the language, but literally pissed drunk. You know, yeah. of course, that's hilarious. 
I, I had to use that language Sorry, because it fits exactly with the first scene. Um, they're timing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And um, he, uh, she takes over. She takes over basically as manager. She sets up the lineups. She's making the calls. And he's just kind of sitting there passed out through the first couple of games. And eventually he starts noticing that, wait a second, these girls can play. And this Dottie is actually taking the leadership and, you know, making the calls and making the, again, the, the, the moves that need to be done. One and, of the best scenes. <laughs> yeah. The one you're referring to right there where uh, I forget who's up to hit. Oh, Marla's up to hit. Yeah. And there Dottie's telling her to do something. He's like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? And see, he yeah. has that experienced professional knowledge of strategizing there. And um, and she's doing the best she can and she's doing great. But he's finally noticing, like you said, and, and he's telling her something opposite. And poor Marla's like, step in the box, step out of the box. She's like step dancing in the box, at the-, out of the box. <laughs> the umpire's like, you're going to hit? She's like, I don't know. Yeah. And then she's like, he finally says to her, who's the manager of this team? And she's like, you're like, you now act, act like, like it. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a great. Yeah. Poor Marla's dancing there at the home plate, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And you got the dueling signs. Right. And of course, she gets up and she hits. Was that, that with the home run or the I mean, and it's beautiful yeah, it's like and a... exactly what they needed at that moment to win the game. And yep. and she looks at him like, OK, well, I'll give you a chance. Yeah. And that's, that's where he right. starts taking taking his role much more serious, you know, and it, right. it's, it's a great it is a great scene where and again, it's a gradual thing. And even even then, he's still kind of like, I still think you can't play baseball, you know, but <laughs> right. it, but it Girls eventually. Can't play the, baseball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't give me a players you gave me a team. You gave me girls. girls. These are right. players. But by the end, he's come around. Yeah. Yep. To the point where he he actually gets the chance to manage in the major leagues, men's major leagues, and he refuses it and stays with the, the women. I got a team. Yep. Right. And, it, you know, that, that shows a lot of his, his character <laughs> and how, how it changed. Right. Like I said, if they had just shown him gentlemanly through the whole thing, you don't have that great story arc happening. So. Yep. Right. Right. And uh, there were two characters that he was based on. Right. Uh, And both of them had had drinking problems or had Mm -hmm. washed out of baseball because of their alcohol. And and then just a couple more characters. I I call these two main characters because they're kind of they kind of this movie revolves around them as well. Doris and May. Doris Murphy played by Rosie O'Donnell and May Mordabito. Mordabito. I can't. I can't. All the way, May. All the way, May, yeah. played by the musician and Madonna. somewhat actor Madonna. Um, I, I hate using her name because it's a slur on Our Lady, but that's that is her name. That is her given name, but that's also her stage name. So, anyways, but those those two, I mean, they're they're right from the first time you see them. They're sitting there arguing, and then they're trying to go after Kit and Dottie and who is it? Uh, uh, Doris throws a ball and Dottie just grabs. It's like, oh, yeah, yes. no, no, they're they're not go- they're not sticking around. You're you're sticking around. <laughs> you two can stay. <laughs> okay, some of them are going home. Yeah, yeah they, that that's it, one of those quotes that gets said a lot in our house. You know, uh, you know, some of you are going home, and and they're like, all right, all right, some of them are going home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fast forwarding again to the end, but. When um, Doris's father is there and he's talking with May, whatever. I, I mean, I think at the beginning you get that they are they're friends that they have they have some history. But then you get to the end and when they have that scene, you're like, it's it's actually a pretty long history. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they grew up in the same place, but but obviously Doris's father knows May, and so, so there's yeah. there's that closeness, which is I just it was a, a neat little thing to like. I don't know, bring that history in like that. I think they explained it somewhere in there um, Mm -hmm. that Doris's father owned the dance hall and May was a taxi dancer. Right. Right. And that Doris was the bouncer. And so (laughs) that's that's how they they became friends there. Um, And and that's another really deep theme right there for Mm -hmm. me about about how this experience gave women avenues to dream of and and have a different life than the one they were born to and felt possibly for most many some trapped Mm -hmm. in. 
Um, definitely, you see that with Kit and and Dottie. Right. Um, that Dottie was perfectly content where she was, but Kit yearned to be anything but and, and to break away from being compared mm-hmm. to her sister. Mm-hmm. And watching that last night with my kids, I saw so much more in that sister competitiveness that mm. exists. I don't know if either of you have sisters or if you have that that sibling competitive rivalry with your with anyone else in your family. I have my sister and I. So you get it. (laughs) My sister and I have been talking about that a lot growing up. I'm the older sister and she's Mm -hmm. the the second. And how much she said she was always compared to me. And as the oldest, I didn't know much about it. I didn't, didn't think twice about it, but apparently it, it really meant something with her. So watching it with that in mind, um, and all the drama that happens there in the middle between the two sisters and how mm-hmm. Kit always thinks that Dottie's trying to hold her back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dottie's like, yeah, seriously, no, no I'm right. not. <laughs> to the point that Dottie is willing to sacrifice her position on the team for her sister until it backfires. Right. Right. Well, and it's it, I, I, that's one thing I did like is when Dottie finally got to the point of saying, don't you blame me. You know, you got here on your own. You did this. This is, you know, you're in this position for yourself, you know, and don't you blame me. And, I, you know, and Dottie is Dottie is a classic homebody. She didn't want to leave Oregon. She didn't want to leave the farm. She was content to just wait until Bob, her husband, came back. And no, no, the only way that Kit could have a chance. And that, and that actually is an interesting point is the only reason why Kit had a chance is because Dottie went but she says that i got you on the train you got yourself here right i I got you on the train you got yourself here which i think is is fair because kit still had to go through the whole tryout process and still had to make the roster and still had to prove herself in all the games which obviously she you know obviously she did and then she's still feeling insecure security exactly Mm -hmm. after all that um and this in a way it it well, it, it set them both on their path, the way they they were meant to go and the way they lived the rest of their lives. In the very, very beginning, when you are first introduced to uh, Dottie getting ready to go to the Cooperstown mm-hmm. um, event where they were inducted into the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, her daughter, she doesn't want to go. And her daughter is like, Mom, come on, you're, you're going to see Aunt Kit there. Oh, no, she's not going to be. And you can already tell there's still not mm-hmm. a full reconciliation between the two of them there that, that right. stuff has happened. So this, yeah. they've grown apart. Yeah. You know, and I, I you mentioned sister sister rivalry. Well, I had, you know, a younger brother and it was it was funny. It, ours wasn't quite to this level by any stretch of imagination, but uh, I was the older brother. And we did have one teacher where we had the same teacher. And yeah, I did hear at one point, you know, my brother saying, yeah, I get compared to you. And she says, you're not like your older brother. It's like, oh, I can't do anything about that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You would think teachers would learn not to compare siblings to one another, mm-hmm. but apparently it yeah. still happens. <laughs> yeah. It's a temptation, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> So you, you've mentioned those those main characters there, but I feel like we should give a couple of nods to some of the, the oh, yeah. other characters, too, as we talk. So especially um, Megan Cavanaugh, who plays Marla Hooch. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was just that's one of our favorite scenes when they go for, to her tryout. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of going back on where we were on the timeline there. But uh, yeah. they, they get on that train and they stop. I forget where it was. Fort Collins, I think. Fort Collins. Yep. And Fort Collins, Colorado. It's pouring down rain and they're having a tryout inside of a gym. And there's all these boys and it's just Marla hitting. Well, she really did hit. Mm-hmm. She, my my daughter, who when she watches this, she's like, well, she's the ball player. <laughs> she's like, yeah. She can really hit. And all her, her hitting is, is her set her own talent. And then she switches off and the boys all groan. <laughs> you know, now about lefty. Oh. And yep. that one she had to learn, but she mm. did. And, and, That's yeah. cool. But again, talking about how the experience changes her life. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and when he says mm-hmm. they aren't taking her 
And the girls look at her and poor Kit just kind of blurts out, you know, you mean you aren't taking her because she ain't pretty? And they just look at and he's like, well, look who just joined the party or whatever. And they look at each other and they just they don't even have to say a word. They both just put their suitcases down and sit down and we're like, yep. (laughs) We're we're here like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And she she also, you know, comes into her own and, you know, gains a lot of confidence. You know, that's the big thing is she has like no confidence where, you know, I love that when she walks up after hitting and her head's down and she's got the hat on and all you see is the brim of her hat. Mm-hmm. You don't see anything else. And then she lifts up the hat and all you see is hair. And then she finally looks up and it's just like, because she's not the most attractive woman, at least, you know, the way they made her up for that scene. Right. <laughs> and the poor dad, you could just feel his angst, you know, and, and you have to push yourself back in that time. You know, they've just she was raised during the Great Depression. And while her father probably had this job, you know, her mother had died and there was no one to raise her as a girl. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no, the pro, you know, no television. I'm, you, I guess you could look at the movies, but that doesn't tell you how to do these things. So when right. she goes and they end up having to go to charm school. For the first time, she's around other women and she's Mm -hmm. learning how to become, to embrace her femininity, I guess is what you say. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine, too, that they they probably were poor. So she probably wasn't able to go to the movies as often maybe as others could. But even if you go, you're, you're looking at something glamorous on the screen that's supposed to distract you from the reality of the day. But they don't actually have instructions. Right. So. So other another character, a very important character for the league is Ira Lowenstein, played by Davidson Strahern, David mm-hmm. Strahern. Um, you know, of course, he's, he was the president of the league. He's the one who ran the league and he's the one who convinced Harvey, the the Wrigley stand in to allow him to continue the league after the first year, you know, and very, very influential and in keep in and doing the advertising and getting the league running. Right, exactly. He's the one who's coming up with all the ideas of getting the newspaper men there and telling the the compelling story of, um, you know, and of course getting Kit upset again when he's like, yeah, this was mm-hmm. this great, you know, interest story where, you know, you wanted to come and you came with, mm-hmm. you know, because. But you, you wouldn't know, come without came, your kid's but, sister. <laughs> right, yep. exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but all of those kinds of, of things that are, are, you know, building excitement about what the, what the ladies are doing on the field. And he was so desperate. He's like trying to tell them y'all need to do something special. Um, yeah. And actually all the way may is based on a player named Faye. And I've, I've already mm. misplaced her last name, but uh, she is on, she is quoted as saying that she did a lot of those things. Like she would sl- uh, do the splits and, right. um, catch the ball a certain way so so a lot of those while they're not exact to the character they are real things that did happen in the course of the league right Faye Faye Dancer is I think who you're thinking of she was yes uh I think uh holds the record for steals in the league like she was extremely fast oh wow um so and I believe the second woman inducted into the hall of fame very cool. Yeah. So um, one thing I hope to do someday is to go go see the Baseball Hall of Fame, go to Cooperstown. And it sounds like they've got what they show in the movie at the end is a permanent exhibit. Right. Of the 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 Women's Professional Baseball League. So I, I want to go it'd be interesting to go see that, you know, and of course, this is ba- that was based off of that. Yeah, it's really awesome. I went once um, and it was really exciting to find that section and be able to walk in there and see. Nice. The memorabilia and the pictures from the the league, yeah. Yeah, that's that's one thing I realized uh, actually just last night, and I, I, unfortunately, I was busy today. I would have tried to find some, but I haven't. You know, I'm assuming it's out there, but I haven't seen any video. I've seen pictures from when they were playing, but I don't think I've ever seen any video of the actual women playing. You know, there are pictures that are out there. You can go to the. There's actually an organization dedicated to the memory of the. Uh, the women's professional league um, where you can see pictures of the players and everything, but be interesting to see some of the video of the actual gameplay. If it happens to be out there, of course, I was well before even, you know, super eight video and things like that. You know, this was, if there was any video out there, it was, um, you know, real to real. 
newsreel newsreel like, type stuff mm-hmm. yeah you know so home home video didn't exactly exist back in 1943 now i i did find the uh, 1987 documentary that's mm. available on uh youtube okay so, so you can actually see that um and there's a couple of different books i have one actually called dirt in the skirt and it's by uh pepper pear davis who was mm-hmm. an uncredited uh consultant on the film and mm-hmm. she has a, a it's kind of in the last i'll say eight to ten chapters it's, it's about 47 <laughs> chapters little it's a memoir and uh she is one of the co-writers of the song that they use mm, the right. victory song and um she was contacted by penny marshall after the documentary came out and said i want to use your i'm interested in this in making this in a feature length and I would like to buy the rights to use your song. And she sold it to her for $5,000. Oh, uh, but then they wow. invited her to a cast and crew conference. And so she got to know the crew and she brought her scrapbooks mm-hmm. and she answered a lot of questions for them. Um, and so a lot of the things she told them are parts that made it into the script, um, including um, getting telegrams, to tell mm-hmm. you that your loved one is either killed in action yeah. or missing in action. Mm-hmm. And, and I want, I want to talk about that scene specifically in a little then, bit. So yeah, then come back to, and I'll, I'll tell you the rest of that one. <laughs> so, okay. Oh yeah. No, as she said, the, the line about there's no crying in a baseball. And that's She's where the, the line came that. from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they asked her, how, how do you keep playing? If you get a, a telegram like that, that says your brother is missing in action and you don't know where he is. And it's been weeks, you know, how do you right. not, cry all the time and she said there was no crying in our baseball when you went to bed at night and you turned out the light that's when you cried mm. and turns into they they twisted that phrase and used it yeah. so to back up just a, a a little bit the song that kelly was talking about that was co-written um by um oh, what was her name again pepper davis pepper pepper pepper, pepper pear <laughs> yes I was like, Pepper Piper, wait, Pepper. Um, that was co-written by her. That's the song that you see Evelyn, the character Evelyn, writing during during the show, um, the movie, and then, you know, the, all the women sing. And that was, you know, the song that, that was actually the actual anthem of the league. So mm-hmm. a couple of the players wrote it, and then that was the anthem of the league. So just to, <laughs> for anybody who was, <laughs> wasn't quite sure which song we're talking about, it's that one. <laughs> Well, since you brought it, brought it up and kind of talked about, it, you know, that the scene with the, the telegram is such, such a it's, a it's a very powerful scene, especially when and again, and it shows Jimmy's heart change of heart where, you know, you could imagine that early on he would have just kicked the guy out and, and you know, get out of here and come back when you get your head out of your posterior. Um, but instead, he took the telegram and found out who it was for. And he knew that. And of course, it's, oh, we can't have you all, all, uh, uh, you know, having all concerned about this throughout the game. We need to, you know, get it settled. And really, it was he had concern for the women, you know, and who was it? And so that that was a very powerful scene there, especially being, able, you know, willing to let the let let her cry on his shoulder, literally, you know, so. Um, right. One yeah. other character, one other character I want to focus on. Absolutely want to focus on just because Secrets of Stargate, Don S. Davis as the Racine coach, Charlie, <laughs> and such a great character. He's such a great actor. He was such a great actor, sadly, you know, has passed away, but such a great actor. And he plays that role so well uh, in my in my head canon. Uh, General Hammond went back in time and became this character, this person instead. So because time travels in Stargate, so we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there are some interesting, um, you know, of course, we talked about the big ones, you know, uh, um, Rosie O'Donnell and, you know, Gina Davis and Tom Hanks. But mm-hmm. then in some of the other players, there's also some interesting actresses there. Um, we talked about, you know, Evelyn, who wrote that song. We talked about Megan Cavanaugh uh, as Marla Hooch. But um, Evelyn Garner, who wrote in the in the movie, is the one who wrote the song. Mm-hmm. She's played by Biddy Schramm who mm. if you are familiar with the show monk mm. the, um she plays monk's assistant at the very beginning um of that show um <clears throat> oh and now i'm blanking on what her name is but anyways, 
Sharona, thank you. Yes. You <laughs> she plays Sharona there. And then um, Shirley Baker, the girl who can't read, that's um, Anne Cusack, John and Joan mm-hmm. Cusack's sister. Um, and then talking about the telegram scene. Um, well, of course, that's Betty Spaghetti, who, uh, mm-hmm. and um, that's actually uh, Tracy Ryder, that's actually Penny Marshall's daughter. Mm. there so i know it's just kind of neat to see you know in these old now old movies when you go back yeah. and you're like oh wow look at all the other things like well, who's there and you know <laughs> well then you had gary marshall who was known from a lot of things well that's mm-hmm. penny marshall's brother right mm-hmm. exactly and, were- and his niece or his daughter was in the show too but i can't remember which character she played um she was on there too. And Biddy Shram was the youngest one uh, at 24. Hmm. And she was oh, actually wow. a collegiate athlete. She played tennis in college. Um, and I thought that was interesting. And for many of the actresses that you just mentioned, this was their their launch. This got them mm-hmm. into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Anne Ramsey. Uh, she played Helen Haley. And it's Dr. Haley now. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I knew her as Lisa on Mad About You. <laughs> and oh, she right. went straight from, from one to the other. So, and, and you know, there's a Gina Davis and Lori Petty weren't the original cast for that role. Right. Right. Hmm. Right. Um, Lori Petty took a kit and it was supposed to be Moira Kelly coming right hmm. off of uh, The Cutting Edge with mm-hmm. D.B. Sweeney. But she oh. injured her ankle and mm. she could not participate. She couldn't do the physicality of this of the show. So they had to recast her with Lori Petty. And I'm guessing, Noelle, you know who uh, who was originally cast and spent over three months practicing with the team before she left instead of um, uh, Gina Davis. So, yeah, so there are actually two um, two actresses who were. Uh, cast before Gita Davis and um oh now I'm blanking of course <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I forgot the, the first one but the second one is Deborah Winger yes oh, so wow. Deborah Winger but she um who was it first the first one left actually because Madonna was cast <laughs> mm. you know they say Deborah Winger left because she, when Madonna was cast um, yeah. she was worried it would become an Elvis movie meaning all about the star and everything would be circular around her um, but right. I also read that she left because of a disagreement about the the um, contract and maybe maybe that was just a kind of a cover story at first so, but you're right. I, I can't be. think who the I second did, one was. I did read. I did read that she had um, uh, stated that that was the reason why she left at at any rate. So, um, and then yeah, I thought there was somebody else who also was there, uh, but then was injured, and so then they ended up with Gina Davis, um, who you know it's always when you read these things about this other person was cast before, and then but but you're like but Gina Davis is perfect for this character, right? <laughs> You can't even imagine the other person taking on that role because Gina Davis does such a great job with it. Yeah, they they really do make it their own. And Gina Davis, when I looked at it, I didn't re- realize she was 36. And she had just come off of making Thelma and Louise, which was about to, mm. to hit the Oscars. <laughs> but yeah. Um, um, yeah, she she didn't have any of the, the three-month training, though. And so she was very... Um, not rigid, but it, it didn't come as naturally to her. So it took longer for her to, to get used to the, uh, they had to get her legs conditioned to be able to squat. Um, she mm-hmm. said she kept tipping over. Um, <laughs> and my daughter, who is a catcher, she was watching and goes, mom, she doesn't look like a catcher. And, yeah. and my daughter's like, oh, see right there, there's a body double. See how she blocked mm-hmm. the ball? Gina Davis doesn't do that. That's that's a real catcher right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, Brenna, you got to stop. Your- <laughs> She's yeah. Laughing. Yeah. Well, I, I will say that there are some uh, editing quirks about the actual baseball scenes in this. Let's just put it that way. Uh, there's, there's, you know, there's uh, when they're doing the spring training scene, the tryouts, you know, they're in Wrigley Field, the Wrigley Field. And then they show one of the girls, one of the, the, the women in front of a, just a picket fence, you know, wooden picket outfield fence that you would absolutely not have seen in Wrigley Field at that time. Not to mention, of course, today, but it's just like things like that. Um, where um, 
where uh, uh, I'm blanking here, uh, where Doris is sitting there during the World Series doing her little cheers or little, you know, let's go, let's go from third base. You can tell they just literally pointed the camera at her, Rosie O'Donnell, and just told her to do cheers from the base. I mean, it was just what we need to fill in 30 seconds here, I guess. I don't know, but <laughs> there are there some weirdnesses in the, the editing of the actual games, but that's just nitpicky stuff more than anything else. I, I did read that Penny Marshall had the girls just play, just play and mm-hmm. film them playing so that she would have B-roll footage to pull out and use if needed. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of figured. So talk about a... Um, just a couple of couple of, of scenes, a couple of things going on, because, of course, you know, the, the, the movie's based around one whole season. The first, se- you know, supposedly the first season, as we said, it's, it's actually kind of a amalgam of, of throughout the entire history of the, the women's uh, pro league. Um, but, yeah, you get that 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 scene from spring training where they're, they're kind of showing up and they're all amazed at who can who can make it, you know, who, and going through the whole routine and, and uh, recognizing that, you know, the. the that these women who really can play that this isn't just, you know, made, made up. And it, it's, it's interesting to see that development in the, the characters going mm-hmm. into the season. Of course, they're going and they're playing and there's a great scene with, uh, uh, what's his, uh, the, 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 the kid, the boy, still well. angel where he's still in the well, bus, he's yeah. running through and he puts his hand over the, the bus driver's <laughs> eyes and he just, I quit. I'm gone. Uh, <laughs> the whole thing is so funny. Yeah. All of it, because then, you know, they wake up Jimmy Dugan, you know, what's going on? Why is the bus stopped? Lou quit. Who's Lou? The driver. All right. I, 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 I think we do have to call out the uh, uh, their their escort, you know, the, the gal whose job it was to kind of keep an eye on the them. Chaperone, right. was play, the chaperone. She goes, she was played so well. Uh, darn it. I lost. I had it here and I lost the. Uh, what was her name? I'm, I'm blanking on it now. Sorry, this was, uh, I, I had it written down and I lost it down. Miss <laughs> Cuthbert, Pauline yes. Brailsford was the name of the actress, but she's, she was such That's a great, right. great character, even if she was supposed to be kind of the foil against the, the, the women who wanted to get out and, you know, see the world that they hadn't been able to. I think she's played, I think she's played so well because she's at the, at one uh, time, like kind of upholding the rules, but she never comes, at least to me, never came across as super rigid or, Mm-hmm. Um, as as like single-mindedly um, looking at the rules and not the girls like it, it, she did come across as as having you know somewhat motherly interest in the girls as well at least that's the way it, that's the way her character came across to me and so you know she's not a person that you are really like I hate her she's she's yeah. holding them back or anything like that you know um so yeah, they didn't really develop her character well in the in the movie. No. I guess something has to give, right? But she stands out to be more like the house mother, um, mm-hmm. the team mom, the one who always has, you know, someone needs a, a hairpin. Oh, she's got that. You need a bandage. She, she's got yep. that. And it, you know that they must have appreciated her, even though most of the scenes are about how to get away from her so we can go dance at the suds bucket and yeah. smoke our cigarettes. Because when Jimmy does go off with the telegram and he starts to approach both both Dottie and, and Betty, one yep. of the girls, the first thing she does is she runs out the room to go get Miss Cuthbert. Yep. And when you see her come in and she takes her to comfort her and, and be yeah. there for her. Uh, although I do I do love that scene when you mentioned the bus scene or you mentioned where, you know, Jimmy's and he goes, he turns after, you know, first, you know, he he's passed out drunk and she wakes him up and he kisses her and then they both scream and then he goes up to the front seat and turns around i loved you in the wizard of oz yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's got so many great one-liners in this movie yeah. i mean and, and you say them all the time it's it's just yeah. fantastic i mean no oh, this is yeah <laughs> and then poor miss cuthbert here she was like pleading with the driver who ran off threw dirt in her face and then she came back to try and you know get jimmy to take care of the situation he ends up by kissing her like that mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah poor lady. Was, you felt, felt sorry for her because she was kind of kind of put upon quite a bit and you know yeah. abused a little bit but you know she she did have the the best for the 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 girls and the women at heart um mm-hmm. 
So, and then, you know, you had all these other little scenes that they did talk about the sneaking out to go to the suds bucket, you know, the, the road, the roadhouse there to, to party and have a good time. And, and of course, Dottie's the, you know, she's the, the, the homebody, she's going to stay home. But then when she finds out that, you know, uh, Lowenstein's coming is there and is coming to find him, she goes ahead of him to, to warn him and chase him out, you know, and that, that, Get them, get them out of there so they don't get in trouble and get kicked off mm-hmm. the team, you know? So you can tell she's she had the concern for the team as well. And there's an Easter egg there at the uh, Suds Bucket. Mm-hmm. So Madonna's character, um, May, she's yep. dancing. And I mean, and this is a real nice showcase of of the actress. I'll use the actress for the yeah. actress's <laughs> abilities and skill in this mm-hmm. area. But she's dancing with a man who is from Laverne and Shirley. She's dancing with Eddie Mecca, who plays Carmine, oh, the dance funny. instructor in Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Wow. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And now when you go back, you're going to look at it differently if you have ever seen Laverne and Shirley and you know about Carmine. So that's that's fun. That's great. That's a great little uh, uh, Easter egg. A little Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's nice when they do that to these sneak things like that in there. And I, I have to admit, you know. I always laughed at the Catholic church scenes. And even as a priest, I laughed at them. Um, Have you ever dropped your Bible twice during confession? No. (laughs) Yeah. No, I never have. (laughs) (laughs) I I like that. What what did you tell him? Everything. Everything. Well, the poor man's going to need, you know, help. (laughs) He opens the door and he's like sweating. He's like, he's just staring and sweating. (laughs) I fortunately have never had a confession like that. And if I did, I wouldn't talk about it. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, my favorite church part, though, is the part where Jimmy Dugan comes in to get the girls. They're all praying. And um, I think one of them even has a rosary there, you know, and he's like, "Okay, okay, like God's heard you or something like that. And and, God knows we have a game. Yeah, I don't have a game. Like, come on. Right. And the girls are all leaving. And as Jimmy's like following after them, he turns around and he's like, you know, he points at G- <laughs> you. You well, and he's pointing at the crucifix, like, you know, you. <laughs> well, and he does. Well, and he does kind of, um, doesn't he kind do of, a you little know, weird genuflection and right. you know, kind of sort of sign of the cross when he does it? Yeah. And, <laughs> and then later he actually does pray in the, in the, um, not in the dugout, but in the, uh, where they prep. Clubhouse. Clubhouse, the thank clubhouse you. Before, before the, yeah. um, World, the sort of praise world series, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I, I, I can't repeat all of it here, but there's a part yeah. where we, there's a part, the big first part we always used to to quote. We used to joke about uh, playing softball tournaments all over the country. Yep. You know, uh, Lord, hallowed be thy name. May our feet be swift. May our bats be mighty. May our balls be plentiful. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, these are good girls. These are good girls. Yep. <laughs> So there's a quote for everything if you play ball. I mean, oh, yeah. Lay off the high ones. I like the high ones. Mule, nag. Mule, and it's their right. little sister banter, you know? And and my girls do that even to, you know, when they played at the same time, they would call that out to each other. So it was cute. <laughs> I, I do have to talk about the controversy of this movie. The World Series final game counts down, of course, to Dottie versus Kit. And you see Dottie is she's catching and she's lined up in front of home plate and Kit runs into her. Here's the question. Did she drop on purpose? Mm-hmm. Mm. And the actress the says she'll never tell. <laughs> yep. And it's filmed in such a way that you, you could be that it rolled out of her hand or it could be she purposely allowed it to roll out of her hand. And you can so, argue what it. What say you two? Often. Hmm. I say no. I say that she was actually knocked down and the ball rolled out of her hand. Okay. Noel? I agree. I agree. Um, I think that Dottie, um, as much as she would, well, first of all, when she talked about to Kit, you know, when Kit was yelling at her and she finally was like, you got yourself here, and but also you're blaming mm-hmm. me for everything. Um, I, I think she knew the importance of her sister earning things for herself. And I also mm-hmm. don't think that she would have allowed Kit to win at the expense of the rest of her team. It just doesn't seem in character for her at all. So 
Right. I agree with Shelly. No. <laughs> yep. Yep. For the exact same reason, because she, you, she's already shown you both that she will sacrifice for her sister, but also that when it comes to the game and it comes to her loyalty to her teammates, that comes first. The minute she walks yep. up and she tells him, hi, balls. She can't hit him. She can't lay off him. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, she was going to have her struck, have her strike out and go sit down. Right. I ha- Oh, I say I have to admit that this ending is a little. I mean, probably a lot of people feel this way. It's bitter. It's bittersweet. I think it's the right ending, but it's sort of frustrating to me that in the end, the team you've been watching the whole time doesn't win. And right. Kit, who rather annoys me through much of the movie, that she's <laughs> the one who ends up by winning. Um, though, going back to history, historically, it is accurate that the Racing Bells did win the first championship of the uh of the uh, women's league um though they did not play the rockford peaches right actually yeah, if you look so. at their record the rockford <laughs> peaches had the worst record of the first season but overall the course of the of the league they won the most championships yeah yeah they're, they're one of the two teams that went through the entire course of the league them in south bend so um although i generally agree with you that that no she she was not going to let that happen um, just for the, the sake of presenting the, the counter argument, I'm going to, you know, I'll say that, yes, yes, she did it on purpose because she wanted Kit to have her, her moment where she bested her sister. And, but when you, I really can't take that too seriously as an argument either. Um, I tried, I tried to come up with, with, with serious arguments for it. And I, I really can't because she was such a good player and she was, you know, as much as she was kind of a reluctant player. When she played, she played her heart out. She played it for all. Um, you know, she was she, a ball player. She, and she was a ball player. And she had, again, a couple of times, you see her do that where she could just grab the ball, you know, and someone throws a ball and she just grabs it. And there wasn't even a bobble to it. And mm-hmm. for something like this, you know, she would have had, you know, as a good catcher knows, you don't just have the ball in your hand. You had the ball in the mitt and you tag with the mitt, you know, and she would have done that. And that would have been a solid grab. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not like the ball got there, not like you see where today where you have the instant replay where the ball gets there at the same time of the runner and they can show you down to a pixel where that ball is. You know, <laughs> that ball was there with enough time for her to make the tag and make it mm-hmm. a solid one. Even if she got hit. So I agree. Minute she has the ball in her glove. It's not obstruction. And the uh, runner has the right to just plow right through. Her, yep. So. They've you know, kind of actually, surprisingly, actually, in MLB, they've changed that a little bit now, too. We're not going to talk about those changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the new stuff. No, um, no. This is the one thing, though, that um, it I, part of what irks me, I think, about the ending in that way is that fact that Dottie was such a good player. And you see her taking that hit and not dropping the ball in the montages that they show of, of the baseball sequences. So for that to be the case that in the end she does drop the ball, even though I don't think that it was, it yeah, it really bothers me. Yeah, <laughs> um, like, they put oh, it together no. beautifully to make you think. You know, did mm-hmm. she or didn't she? It's it's that great question, kind of right. like in Field of Dreams when he goes out through the cornfield. What you know, what's past there? But, what's out there? <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's only exactly, so there's, there's one part of this movie that I don't. It, it doesn't ring right. And I know why they did it. They did it to heighten the drama, but it doesn't ring true. And that is that she left with Bob. Dottie leaves. Her husband shows mm. up and she and he leave at the beginning of a World Series. And and that doesn't ring true to her character. You, know, you could argue that one, maybe, but mm-hmm. it could go either way. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, she would have she would have seen it through. You know, we we're only talking about seven games, you know, a week to right. week and a half. And her husband was with her. So that's right. that's there's that. And he's alive and he's home. But they start driving off. We got as far as Yellowstone. And that's halfway across the really? country. And turned around. <laughs> I mean, anyway, it, it made for a, a cute moment when he's telling Alice, look, if she doesn't have anything, you got to tell me, you got to tell me right away. And, you know, do you hear me? And she pulls off the mask. Yeah, I hear you. And it's her, Dottie. But mm-mm, no, it's there's just something about it. Right. I think it's kind of what I was referring to. I mean, I mean, Jimmy comes over and talks to her before she leaves. Like, you're going to regret this. If you don't see it out, you're going to regret this. 
and I mean, I think it's true. Not you know, in his thing about like you're a bait, you're you are a ball player, like you're going to regret not seeing it through. But also the point about letting down her teammates, which I to me just again doesn't ring true to her character that she would just be like, oh, I'm just going to walk out on my teammates like that. Like that's that's not who Dottie is. So I I agree that that is. But it did let it did let the writers give Tom Hanks a really awesome line after that when she just says it's just it's just too hard. And he says it's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard mm-hmm. is what makes it great. And that's another quote we use in our house a lot, which yep. is it's just too hard. Bah, it's supposed to be hard. <laughs> yeah, you know. that's life. Yeah. My students, my children, they're like, it's too hard to bow tie. Like, well, <laughs> But then this is also Dottie putting it into perspective. She keeps telling him it's just a game. And he's like, no, it's it's life. It's it's a, mm-hmm. it's a way of life. She's like, mm, it's just a game as wonderful and amazing as I like it. I want to go on with my life with my husband. I just think they put it in the wrong spot. But then, they, I, you know, I'll bet they sat there and how do we do this? How do we write this? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So anything else either you want to talk about as we finish up yeah so there is one little scene it's just this little uh thing that happens and it's um when again knowing that you know branch ricky was one of the original owners of the league Mm -hmm. um who integrated the women's professional league like man the men's league was not integrated and there was no formal policy about that but but the scouts didn't go out and bring any, uh, you know, people of color into the tryouts at all. And there's this one little scene in the movie where there is a group of, of black ladies who are next to where they're practicing. And the one lady, Joe, just picks up the ball and throws it, um, you know, and Dottie, you know, catches it and was like, wow. Um, (laughs) and it's, it's a, it's a neat, like there's, there, there's nothing else about that it's just that one thing but it's an i thought a nice way of acknowledging that yep there were other women who also were able to you know or could have contributed as right. well and and acknowledging their talent so um you know obviously there were there were there certain times but like i said the 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 man who integrated baseball was one of the owners so um you know it was just it wasn't the time quite yet but it was it was moving in that direction and it is interesting that they didn't integrate in the last couple of years of the Mm -hmm. the women's league uh because jackie robinson was what 1947 or 48 it was it was right after world war ii and so there would have been a little bit of overlap Uh, it was in the 40s i couldn't remember if it was 40s or if it was in early 50s i thought it was early 50s but i might be wrong Oh. Look it up. Look it up here real quick. That's what we got Google for, right? Um. Right. <laughs> but you said the the women's league went to uh, 1954. You're 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 right. 1947 is when he okay. started. For some I reason, I thought right it was into the, the early 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, but I do. I agree with you, Noel. I think that's the most. It's it's just a really beautiful nod. Yeah. Make, just not making a big statement, but setting it there so we recognize it. Right, exactly. Well, excellent. And we'd like to take a moment now to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV, including Jason S., Lizzie G., G., Father Leo H., Derek B., and John N. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow The Secrets of Movies and TV on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or other great podcast apps. We're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. If you've enjoyed this discussion, please share it with your friends and help us grow our audience. To find other discussions of movies and TV shows and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash secrets. Our email for feedback is secrets at sqpn.com. Follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at SQPN. You can also join in the discussion on our Discord at sqpn.com slash Discord. So let us know what you think of this episode of Secrets of Moving TVs or other episodes of Movies and TVs that we've had. 
As we close, Shelly Kelly, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of a league of their own. Thank you. And Noelle Kroll, thank you as well. Thank you. It's been it's been fun. And can I actually can I add one thing? I, sure. I remembered who the other person was who was in line to play Dottie. It was Demi Moore. Oh, that's oh, right. Really? She got pregnant. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, Demi Moore cool. as well. Right. <laughs> I was like, I need to fill that in because it was too rough. <laughs> so, but yeah, this is, it's been it's been really fun talking about a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And once again, I'm Father Corey Stika. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of League of Their Own on Starquest. And you know, I got to throw this line in: There's no crying in podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash mysterious.